on Good Friday, for those of you who were able to join us over the live stream, you know that we spent time surveying the wondrous cross of Christ. This morning, I want to spend time surveying the wondrous resurrection of Christ. You know, with the uncertainty and the anxiety and the discouragement of everything that's been happening, my prayer for you this week has been Paul's prayer in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Brothers and sisters, as we spend time reveling in the resurrection this morning, consider our main point. All of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. But none of God's promises would be true apart from the resurrection of Christ. Now, when I reference the idea of surveying the resurrection, I mean that in the sense that I want to look at the resurrection from multiple perspectives. To this end, rather than than digging into just one verse, today we will look at the resurrection by surveying the priority the whole New Testament puts on the resurrection. The foundational verse that has informed my thinking about this is 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. So brothers and sisters, hear the inerrant, infallible, and life-giving word of Almighty God. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Lord, would You, would you help us to see with fresh eyes this morning the importance of the resurrection. And I pray that as we, as we talk about it, as we, as we look at it, you would cause joy and hope and peace to abound in our souls through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, do this, I ask, in the name of our beloved Lord Jesus, the risen and reigning Christ. Amen. So how would you respond if one of your neighbors asked you, why is Easter such a big deal to you? Now maybe you would kind of instinctually respond by saying, it's a big deal because on Easter we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. To which your neighbor might naturally respond, well, why is the resurrection of Jesus such a big deal to you then? 
This really is the question that I want to answer this morning. Why is the resurrection of Jesus such a big deal to us as believers? Let's answer the question the same way I would recommend you answer your neighbor, by by emphasizing two things. One, the influence of the resurrection on the early church, and two, the impact the resurrection has on our lives. So, think through it with me. How would you respond? Where would you go in terms of the Scriptures? Maybe you would begin to answer the question by, by turning to the Gospels and explaining that they make up four, four summaries of the life and ministry of Jesus. And all four books slow way down when they get to the final days of Jesus. All four build to the climax of the resurrection, and then they end shortly thereafter. This is our first clue that the resurrection of Jesus is a really big deal. So as we begin to look at the influence the resurrection had on the early church, we note that the writers of the first four books of the, test, the New Testament all thought the resurrection was massively important because of the way that they structured their accounts of his life and ministry. So brothers and sisters, take heart this morning as we consider the impact of the resurrection in our lives. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that because Jesus was resurrected from the dead, we know he has power over death itself. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, may you abound in hope because you know that Jesus conquered the grave. Not even a global pandemic can cause us to leave earth even one day sooner than our sovereign king has planned for us. That might be a good thing to share with your neighbor as well. But maybe in response, your friend says, I get that the resurrection seemed important to the gospel writers. That makes sense. But how much did the resurrection really influence the message of the early church? Great question. Let's look at the book that follows the gospel accounts, which highlights the very first days of the church. It opens in chapter 1 with these words. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them. After his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God, Acts 1, verses 1 through 3. So immediately, immediately we see that the resurrection is foundational to their teaching. In chapter 2, the, the lead apostle, Peter, delivers his first sermon. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. 
This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Brothers and sisters, may you be filled with all joy and peace in believing that death could not hold Jesus because it had no claim on him. The death Jesus died was an atoning death for our sins, but our substitute never sinned. So his righteous triumph over the curse of sin was demonstrated to be completely victorious through his resurrection. His resurrection means that the guilt, that the guilt of your sin and the stain of your shame was nailed to the cross. Every rude word offered in frustration over the past few weeks, every bit of impatience shown, every doubt of God's goodness, every selfish motive, every sin was buried with Jesus in the tomb, paid for in full by the priceless blood of God's Son. When Jesus was resurrected to new life, you were freed to abound in hope through the resurrection power of the gospel. His pristine righteousness now belongs to you through faith in Him because the grave was no match the grave was no match for the one who is the resurrection and the life. Now in the same sermon, Peter says that King David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ when he, when he wrote in Psalm 16 these words, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue Rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Resurrection is all over that psalm. And then Peter says, this Jesus, God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. So if your friend is still with you, you could point out that these words are the account of people who were in fact eyewitnesses to the resurrection. They truly and fully believed that Jesus was crucified and now he was alive. You could see the massive influence the resurrection had on Peter because he knew his Lord was alive. Peter was utterly transformed from one who even denied three times that he knew the Lord to cowering in fear. He becomes a man roaring like a lion in his proclamation of the gospel. In Acts 3, Peter heals a, a, a crippled beggar in the name of Jesus. 
Now, when people were astonished by this, Peter declared, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, we made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, who you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of all of you. When Peter was confronted by the religious leaders about this, he said, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Brothers and sisters, may you be filled with all joy and peace in believing that Jesus is the Lord of the body and he has the power to protect you, to heal you, and to sustain your life. He can perfectly preserve the lives of your children even from cancer, even the unborn, no matter what invisible enemy we are fighting. Luke summarizes this section with these words, and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Acts 4.33 Okay, well, That's a good start. But what about the rest of the New Testament? Paul, in the opening words of his great letter to the Romans, says he is a servant of Christ Jesus, God's Son who was descended from David and declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. Brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because God raised Him bodily from the dead. As the Son of God, this ultimately means that that every word and miracle and action of Jesus was validated and approved by the Father or He would not have raised Him from the dead. So, Every word of power from Jesus. Every word of comfort. Every word of warning. Every single supernatural work from from turning water into wine to healing the blind, from walking on water to feeding thousands, from raising the dead to exercising demons. Every act of kindness from saving the woman caught in adultery to healing the woman who touched his garment from welcoming children to affirming a poor widow who gave all she had to live on 
everything you have heard that Jesus said and everything that you have heard that Jesus did testify that he is everything that you need now and forever because he is God's son. Ultimately, we know this is true because he was resurrected from the dead. So abound in hope. Abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The very same spirit of holiness by which Jesus himself was raised from the dead. In 1 Corinthians, in addition to the verses that we've already mentioned, we learn that Paul also said, we know God raised the Lord and He will raise us up by His power. 1 Corinthians 6.14 Brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that the resurrection of Jesus guarantees our resurrection from the dead. May you abound in hope through the power of the Spirit as you, as you savor these words from 2 Corinthians 4.14. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and us with you into His presence. Friend, let that truth drive a stake deep into the heart of your fear of death. Paul opens his letter to the Galatians with these words, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy in peace and believing that, that you, just like Paul, ultimately have your identity in Jesus who God approved of by raising him from the dead. So no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what your current life circumstances, no matter what your past was, no matter how awkward you feel, because of your union with Jesus by faith, you belong to God. May you abound in hope, realizing that if God is for us, who can really be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Saints, it is God who justifies. Because God gave Jesus up for us all, that is, everyone, every single person, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, whether you've known Jesus most of your life or whether, whether you came to faith in Jesus two minutes ago, these promises are not just true in general. These promises are true for you. In Ephesians 1, 20 and 21, which which Art read earlier, according to the working of His great might that God worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, Jesus is now reigning far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. 
Therefore, brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that Jesus is Lord over all, including every demonic power and Satan himself. May you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit as you realize the freedom that you have in this world because Jesus is ascended on high and is reigning in great power and in utterly invincible glory. In Philippians 3, Paul exclaims, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for His sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them, count them as worthless garbage in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and share in His sufferings that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing the distilled essence of the gospel that Paul just articulated. Through faith in Jesus, you now possess a righteousness. A a perfectly pure righteousness, not your own. But a righteousness that now belongs as fully to you as it does to Christ because of your union with Him. May you abound. May you abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit as you see, perhaps more clearly than ever, that Jesus is is worth more than anything this world could possibly offer. In Colossians 1.18, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. And in 1 Thessalonians 4.14, we are told that since we have believed that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. So brothers and sisters, may, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that because Jesus was raised from the dead, you will see your loved ones again. That is those who have died, but whose lives are even now hidden with Christ in God. May you abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that for the believer, death does not get the final word. Because our resurrected Christ, He and He alone holds the keys to death and Hades. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-8, Jesus is now reigning in glory. And Paul says, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, he will inflict vengeance on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Thessalonians 2.8, when Jesus returns and the man of lawlessness is revealed, we learn that the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and he will be brought to nothing 
at the appearance of Jesus coming. Therefore, brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that the days of evil are numbered. May you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, realizing that when when Jesus returns in glory, every wrong will be righted and evil will have no place to hide from the fierce wrath of the Lamb who is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. In 1 Timothy 3.16, Jesus was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up into glory. In 2 Timothy 2.8, Paul exhorts Timothy to remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. In Titus 2.13, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. So brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy in believing that if Jesus were still dead, he could not return in glory. May you abound in hope through the power of the Spirit, realizing that everything that is happening in this world is part of Jesus' plan to purify for himself a people for his own possession. In other words, rejoice because you belong to Jesus. In Philemon, verse 3, Paul offers grace and peace in the present from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 1, 3 and 4, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father after making purification for sins, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. In James 2, 1, James, who's the biological half-brother of Jesus, who grew up in the same house with Joseph for his father and Mary, his mother, he called Jesus, his brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. That realization may be the most convincing testimony in all the scriptures. To come to realize that the brother you grew up with is God incarnate, that's a big deal. The main reason James thought this was because in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, Paul mentions that the crucified and resurrected Jesus appeared specifically to his brother James. And that completely changed James forever. In 1 Peter 1, 3, Peter bursts, just, just bursts into exultation saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In 2 Peter 3.18, Peter, referring to Jesus Christ, says, To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. In 1 John 5.11, John says, And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is, not was, is in his son. In 2 John verse 3, John extends grace and mercy 
and peace that will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son. In 3 John verse 7, brothers are sent out for the sake of the name. That is, the name of Jesus. In Jude verse 1, he writes to those who are being kept for Jesus Christ. And as he closes, he offers praise to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's not keeping people for a corpse. And you don't pray through a corpse either. And finally, in Revelation 1, in verse 18, Jesus testifies to John from heaven, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I live forevermore. So brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that the resurrection of our Lord Jesus was so important to the early church that they included it in virtually every book of the New Testament. The resurrection of Jesus in every book is either explicitly stated or the context of the greetings and the exhortations essentially assume that he is alive and living and reigning. So on this Easter morning, may you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit as you reflect on the fact that the resurrection radically transformed everything about the early church. And may you abound in hope and peace and unhindered joy as you consider all the ways the resurrection of Jesus impacts our lives, both now and forevermore. And if you're still on speaking terms with your neighbor at this point, you may want to simply tell them that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ, but none of God's promises would be true apart from the resurrection of Christ. That's why the resurrection of Jesus is such a big deal to us. The factual reality of the bodily resurrection of Jesus transformed the lives of those in the early church, and it is still transforming lives 2,000 years later for anyone who is willing to repent of their sin and put their faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ who now is reigning on high in glory. So on this, on this happy day, on this happy day, brothers and sisters, let us rejoice with great joy because we know, we absolutely know based on the authority and the testimony of Scripture that our Redeemer lives and that He lives forever. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for the glory of the resurrection. Thank You for the clear testimony of Your Word. Thank you for the beauty and the power of the life and ministry of your blessed and our beloved Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you 
that when Jesus ascended on high, you sent the Holy Spirit in person to live within us so that we might live through resurrection power. And I pray that that reality for those of us who love Jesus would lead us now to sing, to happily sing for joy because our Redeemer lives. And we pray these things in His glorious name. Amen.